NMLS number 32416, equal housing lender. Did you put Christmas on a credit card? Don't stress out about that extra holiday spending. SaveWithConrad.com can help you consolidate all of your high interest rate credit cards into one much lower monthly payment. SaveWithConrad.com has helped families just like yours save up to $800 a month. You don't need perfect credit or money out of your pocket. And did I mention no payments until March? So don't make saving money a resolution next year. Make it happen today at SaveWithConrad.com. Spoken on the extreme life of Matt Hardy, presented to you by the Ad Free Shows and Podcast Heat Networks. I'm John Alba. That guy right there is the broken one, woken one, spoken one himself, Mr. Matt Hardy. He's playing all the greatest hits for you today. Coming to us from Newark, New Jersey. Scenic Newark, New Jersey. What's up, man? Very scenic, man. Very scenic. I took the scenic route to the hotel, actually. <laughs> I uh yeah, I, I play I was playing all the, the greatest hits. That's what I do. That's kind of like our gig now. You yeah. know, we're greatest tag team of all time you know we influenced an entire generation you know three quarters of the locker room we were their childhood so yes of course i'm gonna play the great hits that's all i need to do right now how often do they come up to you and just every day profusely for making them pro wrestlers every 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 day every time i encounter them wow that's like several several a day so adam cole revealed himself as the devil and then came up to you and said without your bravery and taking on the broken mad character i would have never been the devil Sure. Uh, Sammy Guevara, he returned. He said, without, you know, your inspiration, I don't think I could have returned. I mean, I, I he had said, a child. without your inspiration, I couldn't have pumped out a kid. Uh, right. I was, he was going to say, I don't even know how you did it. You have four. I only have one. <laughs> Uno. So far. So, so far. So far. <laughs> so far. Hey, congrats to them and congrats to Sammy for coming back to TV. I know you're a big Fair Sammy point. fan. So uh, we'll definitely do an episode with Sammy at some point because there's some good stories to be told. There, I saw on Chris Van Vliet's podcast, he even talked a little bit about your feud that you had with him. How's it going, man? Uh, AEW pay-per-view, World's End, in our past now. We are in 2024. Uh, you spoiled the entire pay-per-view for all the wrestling fans out there. What do you got to say for yourself? <laughs> oh, wrestling fans, wrestling fans, wrestling Twitter, wrestling on social media. Uh, I mean, it, I, I will say this, uh, being as transparent as humanly possible, is if I actually know where an angle's going, I will not discuss it. And I'm sure you can verify that, John. I, and I know, and I know you know that. So uh, once again, I, I I didn't ask to know. I actually don't want to know where things are going. I would rather watch and see the story evolve and develop, and then see the big reveal, whatever. So I, I didn't know anything about anything with this double angle. That was just purely my speculation and the things I was assuming may happen considering myself watching the storyline and like how everything was unfolding. So that's like, that, that's why I threw those things out. I mean, I'm again, just like, you're a wrestling fan that pays attention yeah. to the story, right? <laughs> that's what we all are. Like, or at least you should be, you're yeah. watching the show. You're making educated guesses based on where the story is leading and the, the clues right. that have been left before. Roderick strong in the kingdom spent six weeks 
trying to figure out who the devil was and pinning the devil on somebody else and this, that, and, you know, which was a huge red flag that they had something right. to do with this, you know? So that, that was something I was we, going to. We assume. talked about it three months ago where they've got that backstage segment and the devil's mask is hanging above Adam Cole right. in the locker room. Sure. What do we always talk about? Reward your fans for paying attention, right? That's yeah. it's simplicity in, in its finest form of doing that. I, People like, do people think that Tony Khan has his small inner circle of three people that he tells creative to, and then he's just like, Matt Hardy, come here, I'm gonna tell you the entire main event angle for what's going on with AEW. I mean, that's that's just literally me being, uh, you know, uh, a longtime viewer and yeah. educated watcher of pro wrestling and just kind of understanding how everything works. I think Tony Khan calls you and he goes, Matt, you are a living legend. Yeah. <laughs> And I've respected you and watched you for so long. I need to tell you, Triple H hit you up and told you that The Rock was coming back. Yeah. You know, he did. He gave me the heads up. Just sent me a text. He said, watch tonight. Rock returns. And then he, said Jeff's, he said, Jeff's not doing anything stupid tonight, right? <laughs> right. 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 <laughs> we're going to talk about The Rock in just a little bit. On this episode, by the way, The Extreme Life, we're going to be talking about Sting. I'm very excited to talk about Sting with you because I know he's someone who's had a lot of influence on your career and you you've should. had a chance to work some pretty cool matches with Sting over the course of your career. So we'll talk about those. Uh, but uh, referring to World's End, uh, my personal opinion, one of the, generally speaking, one of the weaker AEW pay-per-views that we've seen to date, but uh, there were some really good stories told on the show, uh, including, and I know this was a match you were head over heels for, uh, the Adam Copeland and Christian Cage match, which was yeah, it's, just, my, it's, my, it's my favorite thing going on in AEW currently. Yeah. This match was chaos, uh, complete bedlam. These two guys murdered each other. Nick Wayne went through a flaming table, and Adam Copeland won the TNT Championship. But Killswitch, formerly known as Luchasaurus, who had won a battle royal early in the night to cash in a contract whenever, wherever, for the TNT Championship, went to do it. And Christian Cage, being the CLP that he is, swindled that contract out of his hands and defeated Edge in the same way that Edge himself has cashed in in the past. I thought this was amazing storytelling and fits so well with both of their characters. What do you think of it, Matt? Oh, I, I did too. I mean, uh, Christian turning into the ultimate opportunist, uh, you know, at that moment. I, I thought it was great. I thought that was really well done. I thought Killswitch winning the deal. And and I'll, I'll be also very honest about this and transparent. I didn't see the whole pay-per-view. I saw like the second half of the pay-per-view. I didn't get home until a little bit later. But the the stuff that I that I saw, I, I liked, especially the last three matches, because I was able to watch them and sit down consecutively. I didn't know wasn't dealing with kids and whatnot. I had a little bit of time actually to watch them. So I, I thought the the uh I thought the Adam Copeland Christian Cage match was just phenomenal. I thought the storytelling was brilliant in it. I was all about the kill switch angle uh, and Christian, you know, bossing him around, giving the contract, and then he wins the title back, and you keep the heat on Christian. Uh, I, I love the the finals of the Continental Classic, Eddie Kingston and John Moxley. They had a hell of a fight, and, and once again, I, I, John, I'm going to credit you. You were absolutely right in the way you called that right from the beginning. You were you were right again. It's storytelling, right? Yeah. Right, like, right, right, right. It was a sensical story to be told. Tony Khan, I promise you, Tony Khan didn't text me and was like, John, guess what we're doing for the Continental Classic Finals. It just made sense from a story perspective for me. And, and I thought they did a fantastic job uh, telling stories in the in the Continental Classic. I know why you're laughing right now, by the way. But, yeah. <laughs> but, but, 
but but I just I thought they did a fantastic job with the storytelling, and we'll get into the main event more in a second. But I want to put a bow tie on the Adam Copeland stuff. There was a lot of pushback that this match was a little overbooked. There was a lot of Gaga, and there was. But my opinion, Matt, I'm curious what you think, is that for a character like Christian Cage, who right. is so completely devoid as a character of self awareness. The more that you needle the the chaotic nature of it and the over-the-topness of it, the right. more it works. And that wouldn't work for everybody. But for this character, I believe it does. What do you think? I, I agree. Uh, and and I, I think this match was deserving of it. And, dude, I'm all about those type of matches. I am all about the entertainment in a match, especially in a story like this where it was intense and you're kind of taking things to another level. It's a no DQ uh, you know, anything goes. So yeah, I, I was, I was here for it. And I, I, I like the finale too. I love that. Like, you know, Adam Copeland got his comeuppance. He defeated Christian, uh, clean as a whistle. And then the next thing you know, there's that whole kill switch thing, the attack where he gets heat on him. And then Christian, once again, is a, is a big dickhead, you know, the CLP, uh, and, and he forces him to turn the contract and he signs it there on the spot and then gets back his title and strips that moment away from, from, from Adam Copeland. I, I, th I thought it was done very, very well. And I'm, I'm all about it. I am all about the entertainment aspect in wrestling. I'll be honest. I, I don't necessarily just want pure wrestling all the time. I want some entertainment in, in, in my pro wrestling. And that's me. That's M I O uh, in my opinion, but that is, that is my I take. Am I dug it. <laughs> yeah. I am. Yeah, dude, listen again. All that Gaga is not going to work with everybody. But when you have the right characters to pull it off, it can totally provide yeah, that yes. wrinkle in the storytelling that furthers things properly. Like I've we've talked about this before, and we will do a Christian Cage episode in long form and proper at some point. But I look back at 2011 Money in the Bank. It's Randy Orton versus Christian. And the mm -hmm. stipulation, Randy's the champion. The stipulation is if he gets disqualified, then Christian's going to win. So Christian is doing everything he can to goad him and goad him and goad him into cheating. And he spits in his face as a last resort. And Randy just loses his mind and just winds up and kicks Christian in the balls. And he right. gets disqualified. And then there's Christian celebrating one arm on his balls, the other arm in the air with the championship. He doesn't care how he won. He's just thrilled that he's the champion. And it only works with a character that is devoid of self-awareness in the way that Christian is. Yeah, no, I mean, I, you, you are right. The Christian Cage's character fits perfectly for that role and also doing that Gaga and having all the bells and whistles and having all the smoke and mirrors and just doing, doing you know, all the Shakespeare in a match. So he, he, he is the perfect character for that. And I told you he's the best ball crotcher in wrestling. There's just, there's just no one better at it. It's, I mean, you're not, you're not wrong. It's always satisfying to see Christian Cage get hit in the ambacks. That's that's as simple as that. Main event, Matt. Yeah, man. I dug it, man. I, I think MJF did a phenomenal job as the champion. I thought he turned in a stellar performance. Uh, who knows truly how much he was hurt. He seems to be a little injured, whatever. It's just they had a great match. He ends up uh, losing the title to Samoa Joe. One thing that I did like a lot is that Samoa Joe got the title and, and exited. And then the angle happened afterwards so that he wasn't wrapped up in that. I was a big fan of that specific booking. Um, and I, I, I love the fact that the guys show up and the whole way they go into the Adam Cole thing. And I thought it was very cool where they're holding me. He's like, and, you know, MJF still to the very last moment before the reveal happens. He's like, don't you hit him. Don't you hit him. You piece of shit. Hit me. Hit me. Hit me. This guy who'd already lost everything. And then he loses his best friend. This is another thing that you called right, you know, right on the money, John. Kudos. 
I mean, you you saw Joe winning this thing too, and I I, I will say the nature in which Joe won was really intriguing to me. What did you make of that? Where for the most part, he dominated that match start to finish. And you had your small inklings of Max being able to reach down to be in the lovable scumbag that he's become. They yeah. did the brights. And like, that's a great callback. Like let's get in the weeds of wrestling here for a second, Matt. Every MJF match for the most part has a Bryce Remsburg ref bump. Right. And they do the ref bump in this match, but unlike the other ones, it doesn't lead to anything. It doesn't help Max. Instead, it just passes by and he's not able to capitalize on it. To me, that reinforced that this was Max's Empire Strikes Back. He right. lost everything. And Joe winning, choking him out, then just popping up, celebrating, getting that title, like you said, and getting out of the way, it's business for him. I love that presentation. What do you think of how they executed that? I, I did too. I mean, I, I thought the match told a great story. I, I think there was such a great blurred line at like how how much is Max truly hurt or is he truly hurt? Is he hurt? Is he not hurt? I, I don't know. I don't think anybody knows. And he does a really good job at blurring lines when it comes to stuff like that, when it, when it's storyline aspects. So, so I dug that and that, you know, that kind of made me think about like, how is the match going to play out? And considering we knew he was hurt, he was beat down from having all these championship def defenses. Uh, I love the fact that the majority of the match was Joe and it was him dominating and, and it showed him fighting for underneath like a baby face the whole while. He still gets to be MJF. He still gets to be a scumbag in many, many ways, but then he still has that sympathy because he's fighting back from underneath the whole while they go through with the finish. They do the deal choke out Joe is out. And then we go into the next thing. And I think the, the betrayal of Adam Cole to MJF is going to do uh, something amazing for his character. Uh, I just can't. I'm very excited to see how he eventually plays off of that. That is, if he returns to AW, his contract came up uh, apparently, and they took him off the website. Is is that correct? Yeah, so they not, did take him off the website. Who knows? He might show up in MLW. He might show up in Impact. You know, who knows? It's TNA again, bro. Uh, TNA, um, yes, TNA. Yeah, you can go back TNA, and say that now. TNA with the PLEs. That's right. That's all another thing. Uh, but, you know, it's it's an amazing arc, Matt. It really is. You go back to All Out 2022, 20, Max returns as the devil, coming out to sympathy for the devil. Mm -hmm. And then by the end of this story here, or at least this story beat, now there is sympathy for the devil. And I now think that that now, is... Now, now, now it is literal. That is I that is great storytelling. And, and I'm not simping here for anybody in particular or anything, but I think that that deserves to be called out and given credit for that that is good long-form storytelling and providing callbacks uh, i want to give flowers to joe for a second i know you think very highly of samoa joe yeah. i thought he came across amazingly in the press conference afterwards any Same. pro wrestler who's looking to do interviews or carry themselves should watch how samoa joe carried himself in that press conference he's had an amazing career matt but there were ton of setbacks he had to get over it looked like he almost retired a couple different times and now he's AEW world champion what do you have to say about joe's road to this point uh, i mean once again big fan of joe uh both professionally and personally uh very very happy for him i mean couldn't couldn't happen to a better guy and uh that's like legitimate you know i look back i saw someone 
a piece together a graphic where they had one thing where he's holding out the AEW World Heavyweight Championship, and the graphic beside it is where he was doing the commentary or the interview at a WrestleMania, and he had the he had the uh, the poncho, plastic, yeah, the plastic coat on, right? So and it's raining and stuff. Like what a, what a difference, you know that that was just a just a couple of years apart. So yeah, very happy for him. It would have been sad to see him, you know, not be able to go out on his own, you know, on his own note, much like Edge and Christian. So I'm happy to see all these guys back and thriving. Yeah. Joe's a legend. One of my all time favorite wrestlers. We'll definitely do an episode on Joe in the near future here on the extreme life of Matt Hardy. Do want to hit on the rock thing though. Rock yeah. came back on yeah. Monday night raw this week. And at the end, Matt, you know, he's playing the greatest hits as you know, he would, he says, uh, the rock wants to go out to a restaurant after the show. Should the rock sit at the bar? Should the rock, you know, Get a booth, or should the rock sit at the head of the table? And they went nuts. They went nuts in San Diego. <laughs> Lots of speculation over what is to come. I've got my own theories, Matt Hardy, but uh is our pal Cody gonna have a hard time finishing that story? I I, I think it's gonna happen. I mean, I I just think it's the right thing to do. He's a guy that is around full time working 24 seven, right. Uh, working harder than anybody else is. And I think he's the guy that is their top baby face. The guy to kind of build the brand around right now. So yeah, I, I do think it's going to happen. So then what do you do with Dwayne? Uh, I still think we can get to that match. You know, it depends. I, I don't think the match has to be at WrestleMania. The match could be at WrestleMania. Uh, the Cody stuff could happen another time. The Cody stuff could happen at WrestleMania. I don't know. We'll just have to see how it plays out. But I, I, I do think I do think Cody Cody will end up winning the the world title that will help finish his story. See, for me, I, I went on this and I stand by it. I really think it's possible this match is happening in Australia at the Elimination Chamber, and yeah, I know that I don't, think, I don't think that's out of question. I know that so I I had a lot of people pushing back because so many people associate WrestleMania as the only place that a giant match can happen. Right. But seven years ago, Matt Hardy, would you have ever envisioned that Goldberg versus The Undertaker could take place in Saudi Arabia in the middle of the afternoon? Uh, probably not. Probably, probably not. not. Right. The times they are a changing. Bingo. They're changing. They want to put a lot of asses in seats in a giant stadium. No, they're not running that stadium to shut down what AEW accomplished with All In. These two things can coexist simultaneously without having anything to do with one another. Uh, I think they're they, going to throw they, a lot of money. Been, they've been doing this for a while already, too. You know, they've been doing these bigger shows for like not what you typically perceived as one of the big four pay per views. You know, yeah. so like I, I, I don't. I, I think every ple, every pay per view, they want to make it into a spectacle. Each and every yeah, one. Absolutely. We will see what ends up happening there, Matt. Fun time to be a pro wrestling fan. As we record this, we're getting Daniel Garcia versus Swerve on Dynamite. There's some rumors that AEW could be full of Monet soon, so perhaps by the time that this drops, we'll have some clarification on that. Matt, we're talking about Sting on the Extreme Life of Matt Hardy before we get into the topic. Before you uh, pitch the Matt fact, I got to say, who do you have in this match between Swerve and your boy DG? Uh, it's going to age based on when this drops, but I will go with Swerve. I will go with Swerve. You know, it, it hurts me to pick against my boy, but... Yeah. 
I, I, I would I would have to go with Swerve as well. They've done a fan. I want to give them credit. They've done a fantastic job with Daniel Garcia in the past couple weeks, and him getting the big pay per view win was massive for him. I thought he carried himself so well on the press conference, but Swerve's going to be the guy, man. Like Swerve's going to win the world title this year. I, I mean, I, I'll tell you this, John. Swerve is the main reason I questioned if Joe was going to win. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford Anything, wherever you listen. Swerve, Swerve was the really the only only reason I questioned if Joe was going to win because I think that too I think Swerve is going to be the guy. I mean it's a, it's an opportunity and it and it's like AEW at his core. You have a guy who is getting white hot. Uh, it, there's a lot of representation there, and he is the guy that can can be the be the top guy, and be the champion. And he and he I was will having be. this. I was having this conversation with one of my patrons, WrestlingCoinAlba.com, and and he made a great point. He said how. I'll give a shout out to Jordan here. He said, you know, someone can be booked as a baby face or a heel based on their character motivations. Right. Right. But if someone is a heel by their motivations, but just overwhelmingly cheered, they're a baby face. And, and that's the territory that Swerve is in right now. You experienced that as Broken Matt Hardy, where you were you were booked as a heel, but it just got so organically over that it was deniable. You became a baby face. And that's, that's a position that they're in with swerve. And I, I could see him taking it from, from Joe and, and we'll see. I mean, it's down the line, but we'll see what happens. So I'm going with swerve though. In that match, what do, what do you think? You think it's swerve too? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. Give us a Matt fact. Let's hear it. Matt fact, Matt taught the elite how to apply cologne. Do they smell good? Uh, well, they only apply cologne my way when they put on my cologne. If they need like a little a spot of it, so it's very funny. And especially after I shave, I do this. I'll share this little story with you. So I've been wearing the same cologne for like twenty years, and it has a very it's very distinct, very distinct, very specific smell. So 
if I shave, I love putting the cologne on as aftershave too, because it, it, it serves the same purpose and it works really well for me. And also on top of that, it smells good, feels good and smells good. So they would see me shave. I dress in their locker room whenever they're here, obviously. And uh, the Bucks and Kenny and the Bucks had seen me do it before in the past, but then I'll take it and I'll spread all over my face, like where I've shaved on my neck, whatever. And then I usually go even like across my face, like maybe even on my forehead, by my eyes, like all over my face, but I close my eyes when I spray it on. And it's so funny if they, Hey, can we get just a, you know, can we get a little touch of that? You know, and they'll take it and they'll spray it on just like me around and close their eyes. And I saw Kenny do it one time and it popped the shit out of him. He was like, Hey, can I get just a little, a little shot of that? Cool. They taught us how he, he taught us how to apply it, man. He taught us how to apply it. So, so I think that just comes with my specific brand mm. of cologne. Well, you're a living legend. They have I am to look up to you. You know what I mean? Those guys grew up watching me. That's the right. reason Matt Jackson is named Matt because of me. It's true. His mother, his mother named him after me. Undeniable Matt fact in and of itself. It is, yeah. No questions. No okay, doubt. let's the, talk. The truth is the truth. The truth is, in fact, the truth. Your boy, R Truth, by the way, is tearing it up on TV. I don't know how much you've seen on it, but yeah. he is. I did, I did, I did get to see. Uh, some of the deal where Dominic was doing a promo. Did you see that? Mm -hmm. Holy shit. The heat that he had and just the way the people reacted when he tried to start talking, the, the way the booze would drown him out. It was That's every week, man. I know. I know. It was so, so hot the other night. It was so great. I was so happy for him. Yeah. All right. Let's talk a guy who no one's booing, and that's Sting. Sting, a, a living legend in his own right, Matt Hardy. Uh, one of the best to ever do it, and now he is on his his last stand here this is sting's last stand we know his retirement is coming up in march at aw revolution in north carolina mm -hmm. and he's having a run that i think many people probably never would have expected him to have he got a pay-per-view win this past week he got to go out there in front of the fans and and have a big match on pay-per-view man let's let's get into where things start for you you know he's been wrestling since continental back in the mid 80s you know he comes up with jim helwig who of course becomes the ultimate warrior they're running as a tag team for a while when do you remember your first exposure to steve borden uh in in the nwa is, is when i first remember seeing sting uh whenever he had the the draw with flair just his look holy shit man just sting looks so so damn cool man he had that crew cut uh, hair. He had the cool tights. He had the great physique, and he was so charismatic. He had the very cool face paint. And obviously, Sting was the first guy that Jeff was really a huge fan of him painting his face. Warrior was right there, shortly thereafter. But Sting was the guy that really motivated Jeff to like want to paint his face one day. Like when we were doing the Trampoline Wrestling Federation in our backyard when Jeff was eleven or twelve years old, and I was fourteen or fifteen. Uh, Jeff started painting his face because of Sting. So those were the first 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 period the first era where i really remember staying and we became a big fan of his he was one of our first favorite wrestlers in, in all honesty that was the first clash of the champions in 1988 where mm -hmm. he went to a 45 minute draw with rick flair for the nwa world heavyweight championship i think a lot of people matt when they talk about sting associate him with rick flair that's why rick flair right now is on his retirement tour with sting mm -hmm. what made their dynamic so special Flair's had a lot of retirement tours. <laughs> just for the record. Retirement matches slash tours. I, I mean, I, I just, Sting still felt like he was 
uh, a young upstart at that point, and he just he felt Rick carried him. He felt like Rick is the one who made those matches great, made those matches indelible, made those matches memorable, and and it really elevated Sting and it brought him up to a a, a top level at that time. So I think he'll he'll always be grateful to Rick Flair because of that. I think Rick Rick gave Sting, he gave Steve a lot of confidence back in those days. Yeah, what was it about Sting at that time that you think? resonated so much with you and your brother i i mean even, even for me i know he was announced from california if i'm not mistaken i, I i'm not even specifically sure where uh, surfer sting I, baby he was server sting but i i was a big i loved the helmet of the san diego chargers back in the day when you know with the lightning bolt all the way down so high voltage because his name was high voltage and he did electricity and lightning i actually I was announced from San Diego, California, when we were wrestling in our backyard because I thought that was so cool. Oh man, and just all this stuff ties in. And then I thought that was cool. This thing was like legitimately from that area, right? Uh, the 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 hair was cool. The bleach blonde hair. It was in the the flat top. I ended up wanting to cut my hair into a flat top. And it was there was a couple other guys. There was a comic book character named Justice, which really inspired me. But I said, man, it looks really good on Sting. I should do it too, you know. So I did. I had a high and tight for a while too. Also. Uh, uh, Terminator X too. I loved his high and tight man from public enemy. So th those were like my inspirations for, for, for doing my hair like that for a few years. But, but just Sting was the coolest man. His tights were so cool. He'd have those bright ass colors. He had those cool ass rain jackets, man. And he was just a, a, a charismatic, lovable dude whenever you would watch him. And you, you wanted to pull for this guy because he just seemed like the coolest dude in the room. Did you ever see Sting wrestle in person at that point? We did in the early '90s. We saw him uh, a, a few, a couple times, a few times at Dorton Arena in Raleigh, North Carolina, and we saw him at the Cumberland County Civic Center, the old arena in in Fayetteville, North Carolina. So we did we did see him a, a few times. What do you remember being young, Hardy Boys, quite literally, and seeing one of those larger than life characters like that for the first time? I mean, it, it was cool, man. I, I remember it being so cool going there and meeting him. And and we would ask our dad if we could go early. We were trying to get some Arby's. There was an Arby's on the way. It's crazy how much even Fayetteville has grown up since then. But there was an Arby's on the way, and we would just ask if we could just get Arby's drive through and we could take it there then eat it in the car. And we wanted to hang out by the fence and watch the wrestlers pull in. And I'll never forget, like, one time – couple times we saw him pull in uh one time he was with lags uh, one time i want to say it was with flying brian uh but we we thought that was so cool and jeff and i as soon as we saw these guys wearing these gym clothes with the zubas you know they'd have tank tops and have the shoulderless little shirts it would be cut out you know like have the tops that show your big traps whatever those guys were wearing all these gear and jeff and i said oh my god if we're going to be wrestlers we got to get this stuff we got to get this stuff uh he, he was just just cool man just so cool and and it was cool because we got to see him like when he was just being the person sting, you know, coming from the gym to the arena and then going into the building. And then we got to see him perform and wrestle. And he was just like so charismatic and he was exciting, just really exciting. Whenever he came out, it was a guy that we, we just wanted to see. And every time, uh, every time he wrestled, we were, uh, we were very happy with it. We were very satisfied with it. And it was an experience. He'd become NWA world champion for the first time, July 7th of 90. Great American Bash by defeating Flair. Uh, let's put on your wrestler hat here for a second because there are many iterations of Sting. Yeah. But that early iteration, the Surfer Sting character, the super white meat baby face, hyped, getting out there, high energy. 
from a ring standpoint and his ring work, what stood out to you, even in hindsight, looking back on those matches, what made him a successful babyface from the caliber of his work alone? I mean, I, I think he was just, he was a very solid athlete. You know, it's not like he was someone who was like born and bred in a wrestling family. I think he was a, a good athlete in general. And that stinger splash was always so exciting. He would dive out of the ring the way he would yell and he would beat his chest. And then he would like no self stuff. I mean, it was just, just, just cool, man. Just a, a guy that we watched. And as a character, as a performer, he was just really cool. And those are the things that attract us to him. When you had that, I don't want to call it high flying, more high energy move set back in those days. I feel like you probably stood out a little more because we're talking about a wrestling yeah, era right. there. It didn't, it would, didn't happen a lot in that day and age. Yeah. I, he, I mean, how, how did he, within the context of the people he was around stand out to you? Was he like the guy for you when you'd watch Crockett and WCW? Did he fall into a mix with anybody else? What kind of perspective can you give us? He, he was the guy, two, two of my favorites, uh, as, as baby faces were Sting and also Luger. And Flair was like, still, like, there would be times where Flair was a heel and I would be pissed off at him or not like him. But then there'd be times Flair was a baby face and I would like him. But I did like him just because he was from North Carolina. He was announced from North Carolina and I guess currently lived in North Carolina. Um, but yeah, I would say Sting and Luger were probably my two favorite guys at that time. Also, somebody. Or an act that hit real hard too was uh, Michael Hayes and Jimmy Garvin. They were hugely influential to me. That's kind of like high voltage was a combination of Sting. I tried to talk like Lex Luger. I used my hands a lot whenever I would talk. I was very much a hand talker because Luger did that. And that is where I got it from. It is a compulsion. I remember he hit that line one time and he did his arm across because it is a compulsion. I must become the world heavyweight champion. Uh, but the Fabulous Freebirds, too. The, a lot of the stuff I did when I first started molding myself as a wrestling character, which was high voltage, which would ultimately become Surge, and we would venture out on the independence. Uh, a lot of the stuff I would wear and my demeanor and my swagger had a lot of Freebirds in it, and I had some Lex Luger speak, and then I also had some a little bit of Sting stuff in there as well. I guess I had a haircut like Sting when I started. Where do you think Sting, as we get into the early to mid-'90s here, where do you think he stood in the pecking order of WCW top stars? Because like Hogan comes in and Hogan is presented as the top babyface. Now, whether he was actually over as the top babyface is a whole nother discussion. But Sting, when Hogan comes in and you're getting that dynamic change, I feel like he kind of slides a little bit down the card. He starts to get a little lost in the shuffle. I mean, they. I mean, once guys started leaving from WWF, WWE, and started heading over that way, it did. It got pretty saturated because there were a lot of, a lot of names there, right? And Hogan brought a lot of his guys in, and yeah, I, I do think Hogan probably pushed Sting down a little bit at that time. But I mean, I think when you're saying that pre-Hogan, before Hogan, I mean, I, I think Sting was the top babyface. Unless Ric Flair was a babyface, I think Sting was the top babyface. We get into. 1996 and sting starts to change a little bit his character starts to change his look starts to change just to you this while we're uh speaking how ironic there you go this shirt but this is there you a, go. Uh, a crow, a crow there you go but it's a very slow change at first first it's just his hair grows a little longer 
He lets it grow darker. He starts showing scorpions every now and then on his gear. Uh, he would still wear face paint, though. And as we get into the middle of 96, the outsiders show up. Kevin Nash, Scott Hall. We know that we get this big match set up, Team WCW versus the Outsiders at Bash at the Beach. Sting is on Team WCW. The Outsiders don't have a third man. And then all of a sudden at the end of the match, of course, Lex Luger is hurt. Macho Man's down. Hulk Hogan runs down to the ring or struts down to the ring. And we see the biggest turn in pro wrestling history where Hulk Hogan joins the Outsiders and the NWO is formed. Sting goes away. Uh, Matt, we've never talked about Bash at the Beach 96 on this podcast, but I think many people consider it to be one of the most transformative events in wrestling history. What mm -hmm. do you remember about that night? I, I remember being hyped that night. I had wanted, I mean, you know, we're obviously wrestling on indies and, you know, doing extra works for WWE at the time. Uh, I had wanted Hogan to go Hill for a while at that time. I, I knew it was time. You know, once again, he just became stagnant. People were tired of his, you know, say your prayers, eat your vitamins, the whole bit. Uh, when he turned Hill, I thought it was amazing. I thought it was that they could have done it earlier, but that opportunity, having him come in there inside with Razor Ramon and Diesel, as they were kind of half-ass portraying, even though they were Scott Hall and Kevin Nash, I, I thought it was a great move. It was a brilliant move. It was the perfect time to turn Hogan Hill. And it just fit. I mean, the, the way they got away with that, where it really seemed like it was a, a WWF invasion into WCW was just so good. And I, I remember at that point in time, after that happened, and especially when Sting comes back in his next incarnation, I, I remember thinking how, like, fuck, WCW is great right now. WCW is so good. I was so excited to watch WCW every single week of that juncture. It's one of the ultimate cliffhangers in wrestling history. And Sting kind of ends up spurned by it. It's it's this major, major, major moment. What kind of momentum did that provide WCW in terms of its storytelling and the ability to hook the viewer after that? I mean, it just kind of it kind of reset everything. You know, it gave them a a, a, a brand new uh, it gave them a brand new painting canvas. You know, where they could kind of start anew. And you had this team of the uh the nwo that had all this momentum you know you have these three huge stars you know hogan obviously will always be associated with wwf because he was one of the guys he made the rock and wrestling era what it was he was the top guy that led through that decade him him being there alongside hall and nash and forming this new group the nwo it's like a faction that is here to take over wcw and right now it like it kind of answered a lot of people's calls for like having an interpromotional like WWF versus WCW battle because that's that's what it felt like they portrayed it like that and I thought Bischoff and everyone who did that especially in the beginning before they oversaturated it too much I thought that was done really well. Well, if you ask Eric, it, it was former WCW people returning to wreak havoc and invading, I, not WWF people coming into the company. So, right. <laughs> he's he, he, he's going to down that hill, right? He stands by that. Oh, there's so much. There's so much I could go into on this. 
<laughs> but I mean, the, the 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 picture we were trying to paint, though the picture they were trying to paint, obviously, it's perfect. Is, it was a, uh, it was a WWF. Of course, of course, it was trying to paint. Obviously, know, so I, 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 I get it. I, I get why he says that. You know, there's a reason it. that Scott Hall came in talking like Razor Ramon, and then they had yeah. to hit him with a cease and desist. Right, right. <laughs> but no, it's because he was formerly the Diamond Stud in WCW. That's why. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. The Diamond Stud. <laughs> Look, it's the Diamond Stud. He's back. It's the Diamond Stud and Oz. My God, it's Oz. It's Oz. <laughs> what are it's they Nick doing Hager. in the Nitro Zone? <laughs> well, after that NWO formation, there's this whole cultural warfare within WCW and uh, there's alliances made to try to take down the NWO, and the NWO is trying to turn Sting against everyone, and they, they actually create Jeff Farmer in a fake Sting persona. And ultimately, Sting does return to prove that he is not fake Sting, uh, but he doesn't join Team WCW. Instead, he becomes a vigilante who disappears, and then every now and then, you'd see him show up. Eventually, he starts carrying around a baseball bat. He's sitting in the rafters and he's taking on the persona of the crow sting. Yeah. Uh, it's this total character change that he looks completely different. He's acting totally different. You take all that high energy that he had that you talked about, Matt, and now he's reserved and stoic. But yes. there was so much mystery and mystique behind it. What were your impressions of crow sting? Uh, we love that shit. <laughs> I'll sum it up like that, man. We love that shit. I thought it was so great when when Sting rebranded himself uh, and and he was repackaged as a version of Sting. Also, too, like I don't know, have you watched The Crow, John? You're yeah, a fan? of course. Uh, I, I was a huge fan of The Crow movie too. That was one of, one of my favorite movies as I was, you know, growing up, being young. Uh, for him to like pay homage to that and like portray a Crow character, I thought it was just so so damn cool, man. Yeah, and then you know, repelling from the rafters and coming down, yeah. and you would always see him at the end of just about every episode where there was yeah. a major NWO angle. And essentially, Matt, they're telling this year and a half long story where Sting is like, "I'm coming for you, Hulk Hogan. I'm coming for the NWO." Uh, the little story beats were spread out over a long period of time, and they're layering it more and more. What do you think of the storytelling efforts made to position Sting in that place where he would go on to eventually challenge Hogan? I, I mean, I liked it. I, I love the fact that I thought it was so well done how you would just often see him in the rafters and he was always questionable. There was just so much mystery around him. You know, like you see this dark sting, this shroud, you know, this uh, cloak over sting what is his true intention and and what is he out for and like you said he was a vigilante more than anything else and i think everybody thought he was going to you know do the right thing and help wcw whatever but i just i just thought the character was so intriguing and they didn't overdo it with him wrestling or him speaking as a matter of fact i don't think he, he didn't speak during that time right hardly hardly I mean, very very rare that he spoke and i and i think that added to the character so much and that made him into something that was so mysterious and so intriguing that you, you you really like wanted to know what his inner motivations were for 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 doing this you understand he feels hurt he's feels betrayed whatever he's taking things into his own hands 
but I, I, I thought it was all done so well because they could have like had him wrestling like regular matches, had him doing regular promos, you know, and that would have just like killed off. That would have killed off the essence of that character that they tapped into and they nailed. Starcade 97 rolls around. Year and a half long build. Hulk Hogan, the world heavyweight champion against Sting, the challenger. This is one of the most anticipated matches of the 90s. It has been a long time coming, and it's finally time for Sting to return to the ring. The match plays out where Nick Patrick is supposed to do a fast count. Instead, he does a standard pinfall. Hogan pins Sting. Bret Hart, who's the special guest enforcer who just jumped over to WCW, says, no, no, no. You counted too fast, Nick Patrick even though to the entire audience, he didn't. They restart the match, and Sting wins the championship. People go crazy in the moment, Matt. But once it all starts to sit in, everyone's kind of like, wait a minute. What the hell just you know, happened? It's it's funny because like, I don't remember that match with fondness, but then once you said that and, and ran back, the actual events that happened, I'm like, Ugh. I remember thinking like, like it was kind of like a big downer. And, and I'm sure that was a political thing where Hogan had to get a visual cover or whatever. And just the fact that the fact they just couldn't go in there and just do straight business and just, just like have put, a win. just have, have a win. I mean, and that, that carries the momentum of their story and the company so much further than, you know what that. I would say, Matt sting, should have won clean at Starcast Starcade '97. Okay, that, yeah, that's course. my take. Yeah. That's my Cody should have won at '39. Take yeah. is that Sting should have won clean because I think the entire trajectory of WCW changes from a creative standpoint had they done that. Instead, Matt, people look back at this what should have been Sting's great moment as the beginning of the end for WCW, and right. this guy who is viewed as this trailblazer, this big money act takes a hit with his perception because this is the beginning of the absolute crazy booking that we would come to know in the last two to three years of WCW. Uh, mm -hmm. You were on your way to WWE at that point. You were not fully signed yet. Right. But when do you remember the court of public opinion starting to shift in your guys' favor? I don't feel like it was too too much longer after that. I remember there was a lot of backlash from that for sure. And you know what? You're you're right, John. I, I gotta say, I gotta agree with you as a matter of fact on that too. Matt fact, Matt believes Sting should have won clean at Starcade 97. <laughs> you're right, man. That is that is a Matt fact. That's a John fact. That's a, just a fact in general. Yeah. And but, but it does go to show you, right? Like sometimes you just have to have your finger on the pulse of what the audience truly wants and you have to give it to them. Sure. Yeah, you do. I mean, that, that's the right thing to do. I mean, there, there's times where you work so hard and so long and you, as a wrestling fan, you invest so much into a story and you want to see this arc pay off. And then when you don't get it and you should have gotten it there and it's like the perfect opportunity, it's disappointing. And, and it, and it, and, and it does. It causes you to lose interest in what yeah. you're watching. So I do yeah. agree with it. Eric has talked about this on his 83 Weeks podcast with Conrad. It's one of my favorite clips that I've ever heard on a wrestling podcast. 
where Conrad takes him to town for it and how they booked it. And one of the reasons that Eric states <laughs> is that uh, Sting showed up looking like he didn't get that day and he mentions that he wasn't tan enough. It was, excuse me, Sting showed up doing what? That he, he that it looked like he didn't care enough that day and that he wasn't tan enough. Oh my. <laughs> he wasn't Hulk Hogan leather. Maybe, maybe, maybe that's why we didn't win at SummerSlam 2000. Maybe. <laughs> maybe we so, didn't look like we cared enough and we weren't tan enough for Vince. You weren't tan enough to win TLC1? Yeah. That's a good point. Maybe. So WCW eventually, Matt, as we know, goes out of business. And the big rumor becomes is Sting coming into WWE. There was a rumor at the time that there was a pitch that Kurt Angle versus Sting was going to be set for WrestleMania 2002, WrestleMania 18. Obviously, we know Vince does not bring him in ultimately. Uh, the reports over the years were that Sting was not exactly confident of how he would be used in Vince McMahon's WWE at that point. What do you remember about the rumors of Sting coming in circa 2002, end of the invasion 2001? Did it ever feel like there was a possibility that that could happen? I felt like I felt like after WCW went out of business, those rumors would pop up every so often. And yeah, I, I do remember hearing those things that they talked about doing stuff. And I felt like every time that I heard those rumors, ultimately people inside said like Sting just didn't feel comfortable with like how WWE would utilize him and you know regard his legacy. Do you agree with that notion? Um, I, I I don't necessarily disagree. I mean, when when he showed up, he he did a couple cool things, but you know the the match he had with Triple H too. I also would have changed the finish to that too. I mean, I, I would have had Sting win that, and that would have been such a big moment. Yeah. But but I just know Vince's mentality at that time was just like, no, he's WCW, and like WWE is always going to be superior to WCW, so. Therefore, WCW cannot win. Yeah, we'll get into that WWE yeah. debut in, in just a couple minutes here. Uh, but instead of going to WWE, he toils around for a couple years. And then eventually he signs with NWA TNA. And this is a big deal. You know, mm. he's closer to 40 at this point in his career. He might have even been over 40. I think he was over 40. But... He is coming in yeah, yeah. as... He, he, he would have been. It was 2003 and he was 59. So, yeah, so he, he was over 40. But him coming in is a big deal. He's the biggest name that TNA is able to secure at that point. You know, Jeff Jarrett's at the head there. Do you remember him and Jeff Jarrett having a good relationship? I, I felt like they got along fine. Yeah, yeah, I felt like they got along okay, yeah. Yeah. Well, Jeff, so he, Jeff, Jeff, Jeff Jarrett too, man. He's a he's a very savvy business guy, man. He's a, when he's he he's ready to will and deal and like make something happen, he will bust his ass to 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 make it happen. Yeah, well, he does come in to TNA, and within a couple of years, he's their world champion. What do you think having a guy like Sting on that roster did for the younger folks like AJ Styles and Samoa Joe and those types? I mean, a, a lot of equity for everyone. I mean, Sting at this point is a legend. Uh, Sting has done some of the most amazing stuff in pro wrestling. He, he's already represented as, as a legitimate 
icon slash living legend, living legend, right? So just any of those guys getting the opportunity to work with him, it's going to put equity in them. So it was going to help the Samoa Joes and, you know, the AJ Styles and anybody else who he's going to work with that were younger guys. Well, he stays there. You come into TNA in 2011. We did a whole episode on that in yep. our archives, extremehardy.com. You've admitted in that you were not in your best headspace during that period of time, but I'd imagine one of the highlights of this run is the opportunity to work with Sting, and you get two matches with him. We'll start with the first one match. It was a steel cage match on March 16th, 2011. Uh, you, Bully Ray, and Abyss as part of Immortal pick up a win. Yeah. Over Sting, Rob Van Dam, and Mr. Anderson. Again, it is a cage match at the Impact Zone. First time getting to work with Sting. How meaningful was that? And do you remember any interactions from the first time you met him? Uh, no, it was cool. It was very enjoyable. Just getting to know him. Just he, just such a, a great guy in general. A guy who had been through lots of different, lots of different peaks and valleys in life, and a guy who finally was in a great space and like had his shit together and a good dude. Very humble, very kind to everyone. Yeah, it was a blast, and and it was so great to to get a chance to work with him. It's like checking something off your bucket list. Yeah, certainly so. And then coming off of that, uh, you actually get to do something that not a lot of people, Matt Hardy, can say that they've done, and that was you get a world heavyweight title match with Sting. It goes mm -hmm. down April nineteenth, twenty eleven. He beats you in just under ten minutes. What can you tell us about that world title match and, and where does that stand for you to have that opportunity in your career? Uh, that was cool. I mean, to, to have a one-on-one -on -one with a, a guy that was one of your favorites growing up, it, very, very cool. I mean, and, and I get that now that I have done that with a lot of younger guys, you know, but like Sting was like on such a level for so long in NWA and WCW and then to, to be at TNA in a different environment and work with different guys. So yeah, it was cool. Once again, I, I think, Whenever uh, you know Adam Copeland just came in and he got to, to team with Sting and he get to you know to interact with Sting and do things, it was very cool to him. It's just very it's it's cool, and I think we realize it because we've had younger guys, you know, tell us how much they it means to them. It's like they're checking some off their bucket list because they get to work with us. Still, it it, it does to us too because I think in in your heart, if you feel young and you're still a fan at heart, it's still very cool to to work with someone and compete with them on the same level you know, uh, when you grew up watching them as a child, it's just a, it's a big fan. We've talked a little bit about it in the past, but one of the reasons you get this championship match is because at victory road a month prior to this, your brother is supposed to face sting in the main event. And Jeff was not in a state of mind to be in action. And they go to a quick finish in a very short match. It's considered to be one of the most chaotic and frankly, disappointing TNA main events ever. Uh, and Sting was visibly disappointed with how that played out. Uh, did you ever have any conversations with him about the Victory Road incident, and was there any animosity held towards you or your brother after that happened? No, I and mean, even after I, uh, you know, was first, when he first came into AEW, just getting to speak with him and, and know him well and talk to him on a different level, uh, he said he's, all, you know, he's always loved Jeff. You know, he's made mistakes. He said, I've, I've made plenty of mistakes in the past as well you know it was a mistake and he said i love him he's like a good dude he has a good soul and you could tell it and he loves him so much you know that, that that was his mentality towards all that you know he, he's real good man like he's in a place where he's very you know he has a, a very strong base in religion and he believes in forgiveness and the people deserve 
second chances and you know just because uh you know someone who's a good soul or a good person if they if they make a mistake not even not even a couple times that they're they're still worth redeeming and uh, and i really like that it's very very optimistic and and very much something that i something that makes me love seeing so much something that i really uh inspired me to always be very forgiving towards everyone and like you he, he was always reinventing in some capacity too he could have just played the greatest hits but around the time that he starts feuding with you he takes on a new persona and that's the joker sting where yeah, he drew yeah, the inspiration from Heath Ledger. What do you think of the Joker Sting character? For me, this is one of my favorite Sting personas, honestly. Yeah, I, I enjoyed it too, and I thought it was so good, and it was very, very timely, you know, because the the Joker stuff was so hot that uh, Heath Ledger did. No, I, I I loved I loved Joker Sting. I thought it was done really well. It was very good. Got some extra longevity there in TNA for him. Eventually, he leaves TNA, and the rumor mill starts swirling that he might be showing up in wwe and at survivor series 2014 hell freezes over and sting does debut and cost the authority their match at survivor series i know you weren't in the company at the time but seeing sting under the wwe banner for the first time with all the pomp and circumstances yeah what'd you think of that as a wrestling fan more than anything i mean it was it was wild to see it was it was wild to see sting you know the guy who like in many ways was like the face of WCW in many, many ways. Someone who'd never been to WWE to actually show up and be in the system and like be on their programming. Now he's a part of their history. It was a big deal, man. He would go on to have a WrestleMania match with Triple H. And the whole feud, they say, it's not about WWE versus WCW. Sting even says in a promo verbatim, that would be ridiculous at this point if we had a feud based on WWE versus WCW. Well, the WrestleMania match plays out, and what do you know? It becomes the NWO versus DX, and Triple H and DX stand tall as Sting loses his lone WrestleMania appearance. What do you think of that booking? I'm I'm undefeated as a singles in WrestleMania. I just I just thought you should know, John. <laughs> I know I know Sting's screams Vince, does it not? Uh, yeah, no. I mean, it does. Uh, I mean, it screams Vince because in Vince's mind, WCW could never beat WWE. So therefore, WWE will always be superior to WCW, and we won't be represented any differently on our television screen. It's just like, man, you've got this. You own, all, you, you own them all right now. You know what I mean? Right. WCW, that, that's yours. You own the you own the the tape library. You own all the trademarks. You own the name. You could start WCW if you wanted to. You own them all. It doesn't really make a difference. You know, you own them all. It's yours. You you know, you just be yourself. You've got your own opportunity here to make a legendary moment, right? And give Sting a WrestleMania win and all, you got 70,000 fans going crazy and excited and they pass on that opportunity. And that's Sting's lone WrestleMania. He'd wrestle a couple more matches in WWE. He gets hurt in the Seth Rollins championship match and uh, he would be forced to retire for the first time after that due to concerns over his spine. Uh, How surprised are you, Matt, that we never got a Sting versus Undertaker match. 
surprised. I mean, that 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 could have been a huge marquee match, and I, I would have done that match. I would I would have done a cinematic match with it. You know, if if it was in any way possible. You know, I know he had that deal with his neck and stuff, and he was later cleared. Obviously, when he comes back to when he comes to AW shortly thereafter. But like, I mean, I still think there would have been a way you could have done a cinematic match and made that happen, and it it still could have been a, a great selling point of a pay per view. Yeah, uh, that seems like one of, if not the biggest dream matches that was left on the table that never got taken care of. You know, uh, that that really seems like one of the the biggest just what ifs that ever happened in wrestling. Um, but as you said, Matt, as we think he's retired, think again, because the only thing that's for sure about Sting is that nothing's for sure. And he makes his AEW debut at Winter is Coming mm-hmm. on December 2nd. 2020 uh it is this unbelievable moment here and wrestling fans i don't think matt really knew what was going to be in store with sting coming in Mm -hmm. when did you first get wind that he was going to be brought into AEW, and what do you think of his debut i i had heard a little earlier out that uh there was talk of him coming in and it looked like it was going to happen and i i also think uh I feel like in the beginning, the plan was that he was just going to do cinematic matches. That was kind of his deal. But he had been cleared, and he got the green light from his doctors and everybody else. And he really was passionate about wrestling a regular match and being in the ring and still wrestling. So, uh, yeah, I I thought his debut was cool. I I dug the concept that the snow was going on, winter's coming, just the whole theme kind of behind that. And it was just great to see him back, man. Great to see him back and like go out on a strong note. That's what I, you know, that's what I hope for everybody to go out on a strong note. I would agree with that. And he has the cinematic match with Darby to start, and it's widely critically acclaimed. And double or nothing, 2021 rolls around AEW's first show in front of a crowd, and, and he's gonna go work. He's gonna go wrestle a match. And I was there in attendance for this, and it was so special because the moment that Sting takes his first bump, you're like, oh no, what just happened? Is he going to be okay? And he pops back up. He does his Sting fire up. He does a crossbody jumping off part of the stage. It's this unbelievable moment that this man who's in his 60s is able to provide for those fans. I felt like young Matt Hardy watching him in the late 80s, early 90s and seeing something yeah. so special to see him get this second lease on life in wrestling, Matt. Hell, how, I, felt how, like, how I felt like young Matt Hardy watching him. Yeah, I mean, how amazing was that to see? It was great. I mean, it's, I, I love to see it. And once again, as I said before, great guy, great guy, great guy. So yeah, very happy very happy to see him go out, go out on his own terms and, and, and have that kind of motivation and that desire to go out there and bust your ass like that, especially if he's physically healthy enough to do that. Uh, I I love it, man. I love it. Do you think we see a sting singles match in AEW before he retires? I know Tony Khan has told you all his plans for the next two years, but aside from you spoiling everything for us, do you think that we will see a sting singles match? Well, what, what do we have now? We have like, uh, Nine weeks. How many you got, weeks? You got now until March. Yeah, yeah. Nine weeks or so. I think it's earlier in March. Um, 
I don't know. Um, I, 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 I could possibly see it be Sting and Darby at Revolution in a singles match. Uh, I would almost feel it would be Sting and Darby together. I could almost see Sting and Darby almost winning the tag titles and then maybe losing them in that final match. Uh, I, I don't know. There's a couple couple ways it could go. Um, I mean, I, I think that's something Sting would, would be up for doing. I don't know. Um, I, I, I think his match at Revolution is going to be a tag match. Though. You don't think it will be a singles match? I don't. My 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 gut tells me it won't be a singles match. What do you think? I've been really split on it. If it's a singles match, it has to be with Darby, right? I mean, I, I think so. I mean, I, I feel like that is the most sensible match to end things since he's been his yeah. mentor. They won. What do you think he's done for Darby and what Darby's done for him? Uh, I mean, Darby obviously carries the weight whenever they go and they work. And then he, he also, Darby gives him new, fresh, creative ideas and probably makes him think a little differently. And then Darby has just uh, been able to learn lots of great character work and also just like storytelling in ring from staying, working with him and a, a veteran that has been around that long and has seen everything. So yeah, they, they, it's, a, it's a mutual admiration society for sure because they both help one another. Such an amazing oddball coupling, isn't it? Yeah. My gut says that it's a tag match as well, but if it is a singles match, I think it has to be against Darby. I think that's the only way. Hell, for all we know, Matt Hardy, it's Sting versus Ric Flair one more time. <laughs> Woo! Maybe they'll go to another 45-minute draw. My life <laughs> just flashed before my eyes thinking about that. I'm, you know, I'm good. I'm good on that one. I'm good <laughs> on that one. What do you think of Rick there being, being involved with his farewell? Uh, I mean, it's, it's, they're, they're very much closely tied together just because Rick is the guy that puts Sting on the map. So they're, they're like tied together and they'll always be associated together throughout history. So I, I guess it works from that capacity. Um, it's, it's intriguing, I guess. It's interesting. In terms of putting a bow tie on this conversation, in terms yeah. of all time baby faces in wrestling, Matt, right? Where does Sting fall? Is he a top five, top ten? What What's your thought? Uh, he, he's he de definitely a top ten. I think um, I might I might even start pushing him into a top five uh, because I mean I I've, I've got lots and lots of love for him, um, but I, he he definitely falls into a top ten. Yeah, great stuff there. Anything else you want to add on Sting? No man, uh, just. Really happy that he got to go out on his own terms. Uh, really happy that he was healthy enough to actually get in the ring and actually just physically wrestle as he wanted to and and and, and do that. And uh, just happy, man. I just want him to, to make it to the finish line uh, healthy and uh, and have a great closing moment and, uh, you know, right off into the sunset, man, being the icon that he is. I think it's really cool that you guys got to work with him a little bit in AW2. Yeah, the, the, the tornado tags were so entertaining and so much fun. Yeah, and I'm sure that meant a lot to Jeff too. It it did. It meant a lot, a, a lot to Jeff for sure. Just make right on things and have those big moments. Uh, one of those matches was the was the one with the ledge, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> hey, you think I can get up there? You think I can jump off that? Uh, let, let me tell you how that happened. Actually, this yeah. Let's hear it. 
I'll, I'll share a story with you. So we get there that day, and uh, you know we're hearing we hear we have this eight man tag match. So Darby, who'd been there already, and he's like scouting around the ring and to see how many different ways he can kill himself or other members of his team. And he says, "Oh, well, there's this ledge out there." I was thinking, like uh, Jeff, this might, you know, be something you want to do. There's like this ledge. Maybe you could go up on this ledge and like put somebody through a table or whatever. Like if you're up for it, whatever. And Jeff was just like, Jeff was like looking up at it, going, "Hmm." He said, okay, okay. And you can see Jeff's wheels are turning. And then all of a sudden, Sting like pointed at me and he said, you don't want to jump off it, do you? I was like, <laughs> I'll, do, I'll do whatever. He said, I mean, if you don't want to, Jeff, I'll jump off it. I'll jump off it. I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll do it. If you just, just have a bunch of guys underneath me to catch me. It was so funny. You don't want to do it, do you? I was like, I mean, I, if it fits. <laughs> I mean, I'm not opposed to, to, to jumping off stuff. And he says, well, Jeff, if you don't want to do it, he said, I'll do it. I'll do it. And that was so amazing that he volunteered that. I think Darby had already figured out he was going to like fall down a flight of steps at this time already. So it was going to be one of the three of us. And then Jeff was wrestlers. That's cool, man. I'll do it. It's cool you guys are well. just built differently, man. You're just, just wired differently. And if I'm not mistaken, the, the revolution tag match you had with him, he did jump off the barricade onto you guys, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, no, the, uh, the, the match that we had, I fought with him through the stands. He mm -hmm. jumped off. You know how they, they have like, like those, those big yeah like the entrances in, yeah into the arena. He jumped off the top of that and went through four tables on Andrade. Nuts, yeah, absolutely nuts. But I think that shows you how much he loves his fans and cares about them. And he does yeah, no, he's very passionate about it. He's very very passionate about it. It was really important to Sting that people didn't look at him as just like a nostalgia act. He wanted to go out there and and bust his ass and like do special shit so people still had like a respect for him that he was still like cementing his legacy I well think he gets to go out on his terms now right like he yeah. didn't have it taken away from him right and that's that's amazing so kudos to sting all-time great glad we got to talk about him here on the extreme life of matt hardy Another episode in the books. Make sure you guys leave those five Cinco, five Cinco, five-star reviews for us, of course. And on top of that, we'd love for you to be part of our team here on The Extreme Life of Matt Hardy. Yeah. Promote your business to the extreme. Advertise with Hardy.com is going to be your place to go. Get your business, get your product out in front of thousands of listeners every single week here on The Extreme Life of Matt Hardy. Matt, anything else you'd like to add this week? Uh, no, man. Uh, just uh, once again, kudos to Stinger. What an amazing career. And for him to be doing the stuff he's doing in his 60s is absolutely mind-blowing. Love, love Sting, man. Love Sting a lot. The words have been spoken. We'll see you next time right here on Extreme Life of Matt Hardy. Delete! <laughs>